This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, um, I was reading an article um, yesterday about an Ole from Russia who is celebrating his first year as an Israeli citizen, having, as I said, come from Russia a year ago. But the unique thing about Georgi Krimansky is that he is, uh, he has the official title of being the tallest Ole ever to make Aliyah mm. to Israel. Mm. He is 217 centimeters tall. 217 wow. centimeters, 2 meters 17, wow. which uh, for people who still uh, use old money is 7 feet more than seven feet, 7.1. Um, and so he obviously has, uh, he's very, very difficult to hide away. Um, but the thing about Golgi Kruvansky is that, um, at the age of 17, he actually came here on his own from Russia, right. uh, lives in Beersheba. He's just enrolled for his uh, 12th grade for his final year in high school. He's also playing uh, basketball in Beersheba, as one would expect somebody mm. of his um, height. Um, but what's incredible about uh, Gorgi is that even though his father uh, is two meters and eight centimeters, his mother's a real shorty, only one meter 95. Um, so, <laughs> so, so he had no chance. Um, he, he was going. He had uh, nowhere, yeah. yeah, he had nowhere to hide. He really had nowhere to hide. Uh, two meters, 17 centimeters. I just wonder how he got himself onto the plane to come from Russia. Um, but anyway, he shares an apartment in Beersheba uh, uh, with uh, a few other Olim. He's learning Hebrew. He's playing basketball and apparently um, making a real go of his Aliyah. Um, but obviously he has um, something which other people don't have, which is this height. It's really amazing. Um, and he has a massive shoe, uh, a size 52 oh, in, in, in wow. metric terms, which wow. uh, US size is 16. I'm not quite sure um, how that would translate. Yeah. Into the old, uh, the old um, um, imperial sizes, but he's clearly uh, made a name for himself, and he is one of 65,000 new Olim who have come to Israel during the last year between Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Hashanah, the, the one that just went by. 65,000 new immigrants came uh, to Israel. Many of them, of course, from Ukraine, and also um, quite. Uh, unexpectedly from Russia, because as a result of the war in Ukraine, there are many Jews in Russia or people who are entitled to claim mm. uh, um, uh, citizenship under the law of return, who have suddenly felt a little uneasy in Russia about what's going on, and they have exercised their right uh, to make Aliyah 65,000 people, all in all.
Yeah, incredible. Prime Minister Netanyahu yesterday met with Ukrainian President Zelensky at uh, the United Nations during a busy diplomatic day in New York. Look, I don't think Netanyahu should feel too special. I think that Zelensky meets anybody who, who breathes uh, from, from the photo ops that I was seeing. But uh, tell, us about the, uh, tell us about this meeting. Well, I think the meeting is significant in a number of different ways. First of all, because this is the very first meeting between the Ukrainian president and any Israeli prime minister since the outbreak of the war with Russia. I didn't realize that. I thought that they had We understand. Yeah, no, there's been no meeting with any prime minister uh, and uh, President Zelensky. And more than that, um, Netanyahu is being held up as being the only Western leader, the only Western leader who has yet to visit Kiev during the period of the war. Now, I don't know how we are dividing and how we are um, analyzing who's considered to be a Western leader mm. and who not. I'm sure there must be plenty of people, plenty of leaders from Western countries who have not visited Ukraine. And yet this is a, 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 a line that has been quoted in the press that Netanyahu is the only Western leader who hasn't visited Kiev since the outbreak of the war. And what was very interesting was that Zelensky was asked just before the meeting what he wants to ask of Netanyahu. And he gave a very, very simple answer. A lot. That's mm. what he answered. Mm. A lot. Okay. Um, and a lot really means Iron Dome. That's really what they want. And that's what they've been asking for. All the rest is kind of um, uh, peripheral to the main thing which Zelensky is desperately trying to get his hands on from day one of the outbreak of the war up until the current time. He really wants the Iron Dome. That, I think, is really what things centered upon. Netanyahu is currently not giving in on that. Um, but um, Zelensky came away apparently with a public pledge by uh, the Israeli Prime Minister that Israel will continue to provide humanitarian assistance. Israel has also promised a civilian early warning system to be delivered to Ukraine, which I understand is yet to be delivered. But Israel clearly is still walking this very, very tight, mm. narrow space mm. Mm. between trying to support Ukraine as much as possible and also not annoying Russia. And I think that the Iron Dome is a red line for Russia. I think if Israel was to provide Iron Dome to Ukraine, that would signal all-out breakdown of relations with Russia, whatever those relations might be. And the thing is that we don't really know what's going on in the back rooms of the relationship between Israel and Russia. And so it's very, very difficult for us to uh, draw any conclusions or to make any judgments on the way in which the prime minister is currently managing his relationship with Ukraine. We know, for example, that Yair Lapid and Naftali Bennett before him also trod this very, very narrow space and were also very, very cautious. I'm not exactly sure what the uh, security establishment has assessed about what the impact might be mm. should Israel overstep the line with Russia, um, something that Israel doesn't necessarily want to try out. Um, but obviously, um, still a lot of humanitarian assistance being provided. Um, I know that Zelensky has also been a little frustrated that Israel has not done more to host refugees who've come from the war, which is a surprise to me because we see Ukrainian refugees in Israel everywhere, those who are entitled to the uh, citizenship under the law of return and indeed those who are not. 
Um, but it has been a very busy day, or it was a very busy day yesterday, because just at the United Nations alone, uh, President Biden addressed the General Assembly. The Iranian President Raisi addressed the General Assembly. Uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky addressed the General Assembly. So just at the General Assembly, there was a lot of action and a lot of interest going on. But around the edges and in this basement conference room that the Israeli delegation seemed to have rented out almost for the day, mm. um, not only did the Prime Minister meet with Zelensky, but he also met with uh, German Chancellor of Schulz. Um, Israel has recently sold Germany an Arrows 3 anti-missile system. The Arrows 3 is the ballistic anti-missile system. And what's interesting is that the war with Russia has suddenly uh, caused countries around the Russian border area to embark upon something of an arms race because suddenly people are feeling very nervous. Countries are feeling very nervous around Russia as to what Russia might do, what may happen next, not only in the war with Ukraine, mm -hmm. but indeed mm -hmm. once Russia is already in this belligerent mood, what may what may transpire next. And so the Germans um, have now acquired an Arrows 3 system. And I think that that was really on the agenda for discussion between Prime Minister Netanyahu and uh, Chancellor Olaf Schulz yesterday um, in that basement room at the United Nations. And in addition to that, just another interesting meeting was one that was held between Prime Minister Netanyahu and Turkish President yeah. Erdogan. And this was I the first, this wasn't it? I think that this was the first time that the two of them have met face to face. Um, and of course, it comes in the light of um, uh, improving relations between uh, Turkey and Israel. It was interesting that Erdogan, in his uh, presentation, in his address to the General Assembly yesterday, did not criticize Israel in the way that they have done over the past few years and did mention the Palestinian issue just as a kind of a side comment rather than focusing so much on it as they have done um, in the past few years. Um, Erdogan apparently would very much like to visit Jerusalem and visit the Al-Aqsa Mosque Amazing. in this year and wow. perhaps in this coming month, which is the 100th anniversary of the uh, Turkish Republic. And so there is some talk about President Erdogan visiting um, Israel in the coming uh, few months in order to mark that occasion. But we understand that the discussion between Prime Minister Netanyahu and Erdogan was a very uh, was a good discussion that it went quite well um, and that the areas of common interest were discussed. So all in all, the Prime Minister has um, had a very busy day yesterday. Um, today he will meet with President Joe Biden in New York, right. as opposed to Zelensky, who will travel tomorrow to the White House. So that's a real stark contrast ah. coming out of those meetings yesterday. Zelensky will tomorrow travel to the White House. Uh, Netanyahu today will meet Biden somewhere in New York um, because he hasn't had that White House invitation. Mm. Um, so uh, the prime minister will definitely be um, uh, quite busy today. We will see how the meeting with President Joe Biden goes. And of course, that uh, that incident with uh, the um, Israeli the Israeli ambassador walking out of uh, Iran's speech was, I think, uh, an interesting one as well. Certainly, got a lot of um, coverage. It was an interesting one, and of course, there were protests uh, during the time 
of uh, the speech as well and pictures being held up of um, some of the people who've been killed during the Iranian protests. And so, um, yes, all in all, quite an interesting day at the United Nations. And of course, the next day or two uh, promised to be quite interesting as well. Four Palestinians killed in clashes in Janine with the IDF forces yesterday. This looked an inc- like an incredibly intense operation taking place. Well, it was. And once again, this is the idea of going into the Janine refugee camp. And we talk about these refugee camps, which have existed for the last 70 years and which are quite ridiculous, but it still remains a refugee camp. Um, and so the IDF apparently went into the refugee camp uh, looking to try to take care of some issues that are being uh, developed, uh, terror-related incidents that are being cooked up within the Janine refugee camp area. And even though the individual whose house was surrounded by the IDF ultimately wasn't arrested, even though some of the members of his family were arrested, and it seems as if though there was really some focus on one individual or one or two individuals who are senior members of the uh, Al-Aqsa Brigade and, and, and uh, some of the uh, Janine terror organizations that are being cooked up within that area. Um, but um, ultimately, the uh, IDF came across some quite heavy resistance, and they were forced to use relatively heavy armaments. Shoulder, um, shoulder-borne weapons were used, and apparently some drones were used. And we understand from uh, the reports that have come out from the Palestinian side that four people were killed, four people on the Palestinian side were killed during those operations. And as you say, Howard, very, very intense indeed. And a report came out this morning that another Palestinian has been killed in uh, clashes with the IDF in the area of Jericho, um, in an Arab town and near to Jericho. Also, uh, with the IDF um, taking care of uh, terror-related incidents or incidents that are being developed, that are being mm-hmm. uh, um, planned for the future and, of course, using intelligence in order to try not to have to clean up the mess afterwards, but to somehow prevent any terror-related activities from taking place. We have Yom Kippur coming up next week, and we have support after that. And, of course, there is a certain level of uh, sensitivity currently around the security situation. So, clearly, lots of intense activity and, and nervousness. What's interesting is that Hamas have come out saying that Tel Aviv's security is linked to Janine's security. Now, let's just bear in mind that Hamas have no claim to rule over Janine, and Janine really forms part very, very firmly of the Palestinian Authority area under the rule of Fatah, and yet Hamas are making the claims that Janine's security is linked to, the, or Tel Aviv security, I'm sorry, is linked to the security of Janine. Clearly Hamas have got a very firm foothold somehow in Janine and have a lot of interest that they are um, protecting in Janine. And so therefore it comes as no surprise that the idea for operating there. Mm. We don't have a lot of time, but I do want to hear about this IDF's new Barak tank. And apparently it's using artificial intelligence. It is using artificial intelligence, or know exactly how that artificial intelligence is being used has not been made very clear. Um, But this Mm. is clearly a highly advanced tank. It's been under development in Israel for the last five years. And once again, this is a local product. This is something that has been developed in a joint endeavor between the Defense Ministry's Directorate for Defense Research and Development and um, some local industries. And 
the tank apparently is very much designed to be able to monitor its surroundings and to process that information in order to make sure that the tank is able to zero in on targeted enemy forces before they're able to attack the tank. Now, one of the problems with tanks in general is that, you know, they be, they're fairly heavy to maneuver and it's not necessarily easy to be able to check at 360 degrees around the tank as to what's going on and therefore to protect itself. And inevitably, the um, firepower of the tank is pointed in one direction and to move it around and to shift it to another direction takes time. And during that time, the tank is vulnerable. So I'm guessing that that's really what the artificial intelligence mm-hmm. refers mm-hmm. to in terms of being able to be more aware of everything that's going on. And of course, Albert Systems have um, been very, very famous for developing what they call their, their vision helmet, which are being used by Air Force pilots. But apparently this has also now been adopted into the tank to allow the crew to be able to effectively, in inverted commas, see through the tank's armor to be able to see in all directions around the tank. So this is um, a fairly wow. complex issue that mm. the new Barak tank um, is and I'm sure uh, many other things apparently able to resolve. That we'll never know in terms of capability. I have no doubt exactly. in my mind. Anthony Rock, thank you as always. Fascinating conversation. We'll catch you tomorrow morning at 7.45 for the Israel Report. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com. Редактор субтитров А.Семкин Корректор А.Егорова 